Next time on Monsters, Madness, and Magic, Gohan's power erupts against the Street Fighter. Will the strength of the Super Saiyan be enough to overcome the warrior Ryu? Stop it, Ryu. That's enough. Hadouken! Monsters, Madness, and Magic. Welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast. I am Justin, joined by my co-host, Daniel and Mitch. And this evening, we have a very special guest with us, man of a million voices, Son Gohan, the street fighter himself, Mr. Kyle Hebert. Kyle, hey. how, <laughs> Kyle, how oh. the hell are you? I'm doing very good. How are you? <laughs> Sorry, I did, just fell into the DBZ narrator just then, but uh, hey, that's hey, fine. Hey. That's a great yeah, way you to just, start off. Like, you just triggered a whole bunch of people. <laughs> just by that clip, they're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, it was Myself psychosomatic. Included. Just <laughs> yeah. off my whole game. Like, oh, it's that guy. <laughs> oh, you were in my childhood. And golly, I recorded 20 years ago on that show starting in 2000, and I had no idea that I would be running into people who who watched Toonami at the time, and then they grew up to 20-something, 30-somethings now and have their own kids, and they're raising them right with anime and video games and pop culture. And it's like, oh, this, is, this is a beautiful thing. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's freaking crazy. Like I said, just listening to you, it's like, oh, my God. It just briefly, I will admit I'm not the biggest D fan. At the time it came on, and that's kind of what got me hooked. I just I didn't have the longevity for the show. Yeah life kind of took me away and so i never got to finish it i i did see like the first two or three seasons yeah but then everything else that you're in it's just like okay well there's a trick whoop there's a trigger it's almost like <laughs> just see i feel like the cockroach in an american tale you know when he's counting the money it's like hit it like that and he's got the little sparks arc up his antenna every time you talk it's just like oh there he is <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned a you know attention span or life, and it's like okay, there's a show that I'm in occasionally, much smaller roles like uh, Capone and all this stuff in One Piece. One Piece is way longer than Dragon Ball. It's like I'm never gonna start that. There's just too much, mm -hmm. you know. I, I don't, enough hours in the day, I will die, and I'll be behind eight seasons. So, <laughs> not gonna start. Kyle, it gets good in the eighth year. Like, <laughs> go, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> my bad. It's all good. <laughs> I know you got started at, uh, at Radio uh, Disney, if I'm not mistaken. So, oh gosh, yeah, I wasn't the voice of Mickey. It just happened to to blurt out. No, I had to be my own thing. They they had, literally had a rule at Radio Disney. It's like, okay, no one is going to do impressions. If we have those characters on, we're going to get the actual voice talent to do that, and we did. So that was great at the time. Wayne and Rusey Taylor, Bill Farmer, who is still goofy. Uh, I forgot. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of all the horrible things that I would say if I could do those voices. <laughs> yep, hey, little boy. <laughs> I, I can only imagine the trouble I would have gotten in just the way you suddenly come out like, ha! like Mickey Mouse. It's like, oh my God in heaven, please don't. <laughs> Dude, when I see Mickey Mouse on South Park, I wonder, how do they not get sued? The things that come out of that rodent's mouth, I Where don't get it. Cease and desist. Yeah, a cease and desist. It's like, well, you, you apologize and ask for forgiveness later, I guess. <laughs> Have you always been I'm in sorry, the audio Justin, drama? I, just, I derailed you. I am so sorry. Please, no, continue. Oh, it's all good. My whole life is... is tangents and everything it's like keep me on the on the tracks up nope, up nope, going off again i heard the words audio drama that is what planted the seed the whole theater of the mind aspect to voice acting growing up watching looney tunes mel blank there can be no other he is the highest 
tier there is. He is the voice acting god that, that mm-hmm. many of today's legends in voice acting look up to, or some are even trained by. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, that planted a seed very early as a kid to, to want to do this and to want to work in radio. And I was the shy, withdrawn kid who wanted to entertain, but I didn't want people to look at me. And DJs and voice talent, you're in a little padded room. And paid, hopefully, something to let the voices out of your head. And uh, yeah, so I got to dabble in two of my life dreams. Worked in radio for years and then transitioned to voiceover and now live in L.A. to pursue that. How so old, uh, I'm sorry, Justin. I, again, I'm terribly, I'm just curious, like, are you now? Like when you say, you're, yeah. you know, growing up, like, of course, Looney Tunes. I mean, we did too. I was born in 80. And so we we're probably around maybe kind of sort of similar in the generations here. But I was just thinking like growing up, listening to Looney Tunes and then getting your start in audio drama, which means you listen to the radio. So probably one of your biggest influences, like with DJs was Casey Kasem. And oh, you would, sure. You'd hear the countdown because I remember being a kid for whatever dumbass reason we do that was have our tape player and I'd sit there, pop a tape in there, record freaking radio. But I can remember that. listening to Casey Kasem's yeah. top 10 countdown he would do every Sunday morning. I take Kiss records on my turntable and I take a cassette recorder and I'd be pretend DJ and then I'd make uh, mock commercials mm-hmm. and I would do all these different voices and just play them for myself, not anyone else. Oh, God, no. But for me, I was like, this is so fun. I want to do this one day. So, yeah. That's, sorry. Sorry, Justin. You're good. <laughs> so what what was your first voice acting job? Well, uh, we've, in, in, in radio, I, I guess we've all voiced commercials, but I count my first voice acting gig to be Dragon Ball Z. Wow. Oh, so well, yeah. <laughs> I started this little independent show no one's heard of. Now, my number one Cartoon Network, and I was already a fan of the show. It had been airing in the States since 95, the Canadian English dub. The first two sagas aired over and over on independent stations at like 4 or 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning. That, that's why I had to learn how to record. Remember VHS, kids? <laughs> and it would flash 12. You know, you have to set the clock. I learned how to program. Nobody ever was, did it. Yeah, no one ever did it. Ever. No one ever knew how. <laughs> Exactly. So I recorded and was like, there's Piccolo you know, getting his arm ripped off. It's like, oh my God, this show is amazing. <laughs> so yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> Were you practicing? Were you just practicing DBZ voices, not like just jacking, jacking off around the house or whatever? I was totally imitating the narrator. Next time on Dragon Ball Z. And then fast <laughs> forward, eventually I took over the narrator voice. I was uh, like the second one to do it, or the third one to do it, actually. You had Doc Harris in Canada, then Dale Kelly in, in Dallas, and then he left, and then I took over. And then we did GT and Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball was Bryce Armstrong, Andrew Chandler on GT. And then we got Doc Morgan on Kai and Super. And so each saga has its own narrator. But I'm the only one that actually goes out on the con circuit and promotes himself as like uh, the narrator. The narrator. Yeah. That was me. I'd walk around pretending to be Peter Cullen. I would walk around wishing I heard Peter Cullen. I did hear Peter Cullen in my head as a child. So, I mean, I know what you mean with that, too. (laughs) Yeah, and when you meet your heroes, oh, my God, he's such a sweet, sweet man. He is so nice. I'm going to one day. He thinks he's not accepting podcast interviews, but that man will be across (laughs) from me in a podcast interview. I will. He will one day. But anyway. I digress. Sorry, I just now got to the bottom of your IMDb. I've been scrolling ever since Justin asked you that first question. (laughs) 
Jesus Christ. This thing is like a CVS pharmacy receipt. It is, it is lengthy, man. <laughs> and, yeah, my brother, who's going to be watching this eventually, if he was a true brother, but, anyway, he is a huge fan of Lupin the... We oh, had, nice. We had a VHS tape at uh, the local library. We'd go oh, and okay. He used to get that thing all the freaking times. So he'll be happy to know that you... We're in loop. Yeah, yeah. I, a lot of small parts, but uh, depending on it, Funimation back in the day, we, we got a few of the specials. I got to be like a big bad guy. Or <coughs> In Pardon. audio, there are no small That's what I always <laughs> have to tell people. <coughs> oh, love swallowing spit. <laughs> people think you're dying. And they're like, no, it just went down the wrong pipe. <laughs> That's a million dollar voice. Dear God, help. <laughs> right? course, I know Justin's over here. He's like, Oh, Jesus Christ, please don't die. Not tonight. No, no, not, not tonight. Not on my watch. I, not on my watch, buddy. You not get today, that Satan. out. Not today, Satan. <laughs> no, so, I'm sorry. Please continue, Justin. Let's continue. Okay. <laughs> let's continue. Kyle, I know I saw that you were a drummer. So uh, what were some of ba the bands that influenced you? Why'd you? How'd you get started drumming? Oh, I was in middle school, and I kind of started as a kid just kind of just hitting on things like coffee cans boxes Hots and some pans and <laughs> but i got into middle school got into marching band playing in the drum line and then did through high school never got to snare i'm actually left-handed but i play right-handed if that makes any hmm. sense so that makes you a better drummer do you do you totally. play uh traditional crossover or do you play open no, hand play he's left-handed he plays open I, I, no, no, I play, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I play normal, traditional, I guess. Oh. I, it, it blew my mind when I saw like Phil Collins in Genesis and he was playing left-handed and the toms went down the left instead of to the right. And it's like, well, I play right-handed, I guess. Just, I'm a left-handed guy. Um, so Rico yeah. it was the same way. He was a, a left-handed drummer. and played. Right no, that's right. That's right. He sure. <laughs> <laughs> I taught a friend of mine and he, uh, He's left-handed, so when I taught him to play drums, I actually taught him to play open because I learned to play traditional. And, you know, when you cross over, it's it's all well and good, but after seeing the dexterity you have, I got to where I would put a hi-hat over here, so I'd have Ooh. two hi-hats. That Ooh. way I could go open if I'm either hitting four on the floor or if you do, like, blast beats and, you know, more extreme metal, being yeah. open allows more versatility. So I would actually be able to play open. That's why I kind of... Well, I mean, if you look at, like, Carter Bovert and Simon Phillips, they both play open hand. They have a hat and a right over here, so they can keep time, and then they can play, like, 16th and 32nd note roll <laughs> down all the toms with one hand because they... <laughs> just, but they're Phil, Neil Pert, and they just do like this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Neil, Neil, rest in peace, was, was my yeah. guy. That was the, the, the guy that totally inspired me the most. Uh, ah, sweet. I rush, saw rush. I saw Rush, like, golly, seven or eight times. I was at their very final show at L.A. at the Forum. Oh, nice. Uh, oh, wow. So, yeah, that was, like, history. And they played so tight. And it, every time was just jaw-droppingly cool. And it's fun when it wasn't like any other concert. At a Rush concert, you see this wave of people all air-drumming. <laughs> you know, especially on Tom Sawyer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I did all that. I had a five-piece black Ludwig set with Zildjian cymbals. I never got a double bass pedal or a double bass. I wish I had because I'm so envious of people that can do the blast beat. Oh, all that. But, yeah. <laughs> Huge metal fan myself. I love Lamb of God and Code Orange and uh, golly, there's so many typo negs. <laughs> wow. Listen to you. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm all, all right. Over all right, Gohan. 
Yeah. <laughs> Mastodon. God, I remember listening to Fear Factory a lot in the 90s. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I was thinking, yeah, 90s era. That's what it was when the uh, the Dreamcast, that era. And then uh, what was the game? Demolition Racers or Fear Factory. They come out with Remanufacture. Yeah. Uh, you had those songs. They were really promoing those heavy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tool. Tool's another one of my big ones there. Danny oh, Derek Carey's one of the best drummers in the world. Oh, my God. One of the best drummers in the world. It's a shame what's happened to Fear Factory over the years that they've just kind of pissed all over each other and don't talk or make good music anymore. Yeah, it makes me sad when it's like, there's no drummer on this album because, you know, we don't get along, so here's a drum machine. It's like, <laughs> and then after, after, after they demo. did that, they went back and recorded live drums for the new album and just totally wasted everybody's time and money oh god <laughs> we actually we touched on that on a podcast like what two months ago justin yeah. something like that yeah <laughs> god oh but uh, another one devin townsend uh his, oh, uh, ryan, ryan uh poderoyan i guess i forgot his name He's uh, van, ryan van poderoyan yeah right canadian name yes yeah <laughs> that dude is amazing oh my god but devin townsend strapping young lad all that stuff that is like amazing to go from opera to prog to classic to metal to to country to like all in the yeah, same he's all over the place yeah <laughs> do you still play uh i would if i lived in a house but i live in an apartment so my uh, drums are sitting in storage oh yeah that's a relatable feeling you yeah. could play I mean, I maybe could. only once, but I mean, you could play. Uh, I could invest in an electronic kit, but uh, money's tight right now. So, yeah. Right here, yeah. Well, I, uh, if you yeah. ever want to jam and you ever just want to go ahead and move out of the apartment, you know, get that eviction letter, get that process started, call me. I will come to your place. <laughs> That'll happen. We'll make it an eviction that everyone will remember. <laughs> He even has an apartment you or a closet you can record in afterwards and everything. It'll be all good. Fantastic. Fantastic. You know, all the engineers are freaking out going, oh, my God, we're, we're out of a job. It's like, well, that's not totally true. You know, when we record our VO sessions, we don't do the mixing and all that stuff. That still has to be done. So the engineer's job with this long-distance stuff, everyone remote recording, I've heard that the engineers have to work three times as hard to try and mix everything together to make everything sound like it's recorded in one space on one type of mic and one, you know, because everyone's on something different. Right. right. That yeah. is the toughest of audio coming out, like especially having telecom. Yeah. Getting everything to sound the same. Yeah, because as an engineer in a studio, you've got full control, over, or full control over every single piece of equipment that everybody's using, and now it's just kind of like you're winging it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, going between someone with a really good mic and then the scene plays with another character. The other character's on a, a Logitech headset. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God, I did an audio drama. Okay, it was a fun one. I mean, it was freaking awesome. But when I go back and listen to it now, I'm sitting like, God in heaven, I actually released this. Holy crap. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> we live and learn. We live and learn. Yes, we do, sadly, but, man. <laughs> do you think this is going to be the new uh... – the new normal going forward for voice actors is just recording on at, at the house. It's kind of a crapshoot as far as where the pandemic goes. I think for the foreseeable future, definitely. I think it it's not going to matter. So people don't have to pick up and worry about moving because first, it's dangerous to your health. Second of all, if you have broadcast quality equipment at home, you literally could do a voice for a gig completely on the opposite side of the country and whatnot. But uh, I choose to remain in L.A. 
uh, unless I just go broke and homeless. But <laughs> uh, because cartoons are done here, that's what I want to do the most. Because when you record as a cartoon, it's the cast all together, like a radio. And you get to play off each other's performance. Whereas in the anime and video games, you record solo, one at a time. Um, and, you know, now there are cartoons done with an ensemble cast over Zoom, which is almost the same thing, but not quite the same dynamic. So I understand why some directors kind of insist and put their foot down saying, well, when this goes away, we're going back to in-studio. I, for one, am spoiled by getting to record from home. I love sleeping as late as possible and rolling into the closet. Pants aren't required. It is amazing. I love it. That's, yeah, this, I'm trying, I'm, if I can get everybody to set up in their closet, I'm with you. I could do my audio dramas if everybody's audio. I mean, I'm not saying that's mine's anything fantastic, but so far I've done two just with this closet set up and the results have been exquisite. Yeah. And if I can get every, if I can get everyone else to sound like you or with the acoustic treatment that I have, then I could, yeah, Katie bar the door. We're ready to go. I would love to have the, like you say, the round table to record, an audio drama. I want to have every actor present just to feed off of each other. I really want to do that way. But yeah, until then, I mean, if I could get this thing going, this this will work. This this yeah. is actually cool, and I don't have to be around people because I'm a massive <laughs> introvert. This is even Me too, man. I grew up shy and introverted, and I got confidence by working in radio and voiceover. But uh, yeah, if I had my dithers, man, I just I'm happy just doing what I can at home, and then get up and go back to video games or Netflix or whatever. And I mean, so I may not even you are a gamer. Oh yeah. yeah. Terrible button masher. I'm terrible, <laughs> but I, I love playing and I love call of duty. I'm terrible at it, but I love playing first play first player person shooters. I love fighting games. Of course, street fighter. And I play as my character before anyone asks okay. <laughs> dragon ball fighters, fighter Z, whatever people call it. Uh, I love playing that one too. There's so many things. I love my PlayStation and I love my switch. I kind of, fell away from xbox not that they're bad but just i have more titles on the other system and i do the twitch thing so i love interacting with fans because cons have gone away for now love interacting with people and playing games and what's your handle before i will ask you again but go ahead and shout your twitch handle out gohan with your own bad self oh yeah that's a good one (laughs) that's all right we're on this how did how did Ryu happen? How did how did you get into sh- that? Happened through being on the audition list with New Generation Pictures and one of the studios here in town in L.A. that I got onto as I started working my way across studios and multiple actors and it's one big incestuous family. So demos get passed around. Eventually, I got to work there working on some anime dubs like Ergo Proxy. They did the dub for Helsing. Uh, uh-huh. And yeah, when it came time to do an English. For the first time, English Street Fighter game, it was Street Fighter 4, recorded in like 2007, so a good year before it was dropped. Went in, I tried out for, for Ryu, and I tried out for Ken, and E. Honda, and M. Bison, and El Fuerte. Those are the ones I remember reading for, because I, I had a choice. Here's the three-ring binder, pick who you want to read for. And they had code names on there. They were so secretive, I had to sign an NDA, non-disclosure agreement. Huh before I could even open the binder to look at the audition. And he said, you know, don't freak out. You're probably going to recognize these characters. Like, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> it's wild. And then fast forward a few months, I just did the best I could and divorced myself. It's the best mindset to have. Mm-hmm. You know, just look forward. Don't look back and say, I hope they hire me. 
Chances are they're not. So I'm pretending, you know, just life has gone on. I'm at a con, and the the voice of Blanca, the director of the game, uh, was a fellow guest at Anime Detour with Minneapolis. And he goes, congrats, you got the man. I go, uh, who? What man? Oh, you didn't know? <laughs> I'm hearing it from the director's mouth, so I'm assuming it's legit. <laughs> and uh, he says, yeah, you got Ryu. I'm like, ah, you Kermit Flail. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> it's the Muppet Show, yay! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I go in and record, blow my voice out. It's like, you know, three, four-hour sessions, you know, spaced out, of course. And, you know, a lot of ingestion of uh, Chinese cough syrup, because that stuff actually helps your vocal cords. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's throat spray, throat coat, uh, hot tea with honey, all of this at your at your beck and call the studio. <laughs> yakuza behind your shoulder doing like that if you mess up i understand they, <laughs> they get pretty they get pretty protective with their property so yeah they have a lot of good techniques to get you to keep working absolutely and we you have you on the chopping block say all right <laughs> give us that pain ha! no <laughs> and yeah poor poor uh you know poor tallison is sitting there screaming with me because he's looking for a certain sound and it's like it's kind of like this like it's like what did you say it's like let's well, do it slow and then build up to the speed and they still sped it up for the hurricane kick like he's like oh my god and you know we got capcom japan on skype listening in and even though they don't speak a lick speak a lick of english they're listening and approving each take it's like they're approving the english dub that they don't even speak we need a need a pain yell I don't know. I'm not hurting. Ah! Yeah. Hurt more. <laughs> Grab him and stab him in the eye. <laughs> you know, it's a Three Stooges episode all of a sudden. <laughs> How would it sound? You just hear a knife. Ah! Yeah. There it went. Oh, hey, what's so Chun Lee doing here? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, so that was your first one. I mean, like, what was the any other notable video game? Because, uh, dude, seriously, this resume is impossible. <laughs> I mean, like, the first so game you, I did was actually Blood Ring 2. Wow. So it oh, had wow. a lot of DBZ actors. You had Laura Bailey, who's Chun Li. And uh, yeah, yeah, we go way back there. I'm sure Troy Baker's in there too. I, yeah, he's, he's like Michael Ironside of video games. He's everywhere. Like Michael Ironside is this shirt. If yes. I, if I tug it hard enough, you'll see him pop out with that death gaze because he's been in every freaking movie. So, I mean, Troy Baker, his voice is in everything as well. I Yeah, I believe you. Holy crap, you were in Devil May Cry 4? I was a demon, yeah. Bale and Dagon. Yeah, the, the, the toad-headed uh, boss. Giant toads with naked girls on their antenna dangling. <laughs> so weird. It's like, oh, Japan. Very Japanese. Yeah, very Japanese. So, I mean, this is steady work. I mean, you know, you got like this huge list of your appearances and all, but it's obvious that it has been very steady. I never, I guess for, so you have such an iconic voice. Thank you. And and I, it's such a mainstay in, just in that era. Like you really own the late 90s and most certainly own the, the aughts. Like that is your decade. <laughs> if Cam Clark was the 90s, you are the aughts. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an honor to be mentioned along with that, Cam. Well, yeah, because I'm going to get him on a podcast one day too. But regardless, it just yeah. for you to have such an extensive list of just kind of struggling to know like any notable roles or anything you did because you spout out stuff and be like well then there was this one time that i played the third pigeon on eat the cat and then i'm gonna be like holy shit i remember that episode but other than that <laughs> i'm not gonna know what's going on you know i mean you'll notice a pattern when you talk to voice actors everyone will tell you no matter what their resume is known for that they all do bit parts in fact you know you could do the ratio of i mostly die for a living 
I play so many <laughs> bit parts of man A, demon C, cop B who gets shot or have one line and, and then are heard from again. Uh, and I have just as much fun doing those as a notable character. And for So I, I just geek out over the, the, the process itself, the people I work with, the community. They're super professional, but they're super cool, laid back, and hilarious. Uh, there's like no downside other than the unpredictability of it, the inconsistency of getting to do this every single day or, or getting the higher paid gigs as opposed to anime, which is on the low end of the top. Really? Oh, yeah. It's the hardest type of work to do because you're matching lip sync and everything. Yeah. But you get paid anywhere from like 50 an hour up to, you know, now it's starting to get better. And like maybe some of the Netflix upwards of over $100 an hour. And you say, oh, that's amazing. It's like, again, guys, guys, gals, it's not a 40-hour work week. It tends to be like a two-hour minimum type thing. So I could record for five minutes. I get paid for two hours, which is awesome. Uh, but, yeah, that's... You're hired and fired all the time. It's like, we just need you for uh, for a couple of lines or a couple of episodes in this batch, and we'll get back in touch with you next month when we do the next batch, if your character returns. So, <laughs> Big, if there's that Yakuza in the background, yep. just ready for it. Is there a, I don't guess there is, so like the localization, do you you get tips like doing anime, friends? It, case it, now, I want to stress this because I'm, People, anybody familiar like my other shows, they know that if I call it a shitty movie or something, I'm not saying that because I hate the film. It is what it is. There's an anime called Gantz. It's far from shitty, actually. It's a really cool, hyper-stylized anime that was on Netflix. But due to the difference in culture, the, like, the dialogue was sad. It just made no sense. Mm. And, I mean, I, under, I understand it's a difference in culture, and it's hard to, tr uh, apparently, <laughs> hard to kind of translate some of that. But So do you ever get any hints or any guides if it comes to localization? Like, you get an English dub that you're going to be doing a character. Let's say, is there, do they, does Japan send somebody via Zoom or a letter or a carrier pigeon with, like, yeah, Really go for this kind of emotion. Do you ever get any kind of help with that? Or is it just like, here, read this and make it sound good? Yeah, the scripts are already written and they've already gone through several drafts by the time it gets to the actor. So everything is telegraphed on there. Every reaction, everything. And some of the scripts have a column just dedicated to the original lines. In case it's too long or too short, we can refer to the original translation and craft something. Nowadays, we're all about getting as... as close to the original as possible back in the early dragon ball z days it was we got a compromise because kids are watching and the fcc have very strict rules so we're gonna we can't say hell so let's say h-f-i-l you know it's, let's type through h-e-l-l and just photoshop out you know blood turns different colors cigarettes turn into lollipops and all that controversial stuff the fans hated but those compromises were agreed upon with the japanese studios because they wanted to get it on tv and you make compromises to do that. But yeah, the translated scripts, uh, we don't really have a hand in doing. We have dedicated writers that do that. They get approved by the client. The client rarely sits in on the recording session, maybe on the first, depending on how big the project is, just to kind of set the tone. And then, you know, you don't want to have too many cooks in the kitchen. That just right. brings the studio the recording sessions to a crawl. You want to be able to just work with the skeleton crew, just the actor, just the director, just the engineer. And you just, 
it becomes like a factory, like an assembly line, but a well-oiled one. You know, if you right. people that are, are really good at what they do, they're efficient and we can make decisions. And hopefully the script has been pounded out just right that we don't have to spend time having to retool or tweak lines to fit. And I've noticed that when you watch dubs and you have subtitles on, they rarely match. Right. And it's simply a matter of matching the lip sync. You know, how many flaps does it take to say this sentence? So... <laughs> Are you yeah. a sub or a dub guy? I'm a dub guy for sure, because if I watch in subtitles and I'm eating, I can't do both at once. My fork will just dangle, and I'm like, I watch the <laughs> subtitle, and then I miss what's happening visually. Yeah, I'm the same. It. I'm the exact same way. I can't. I focus on reading what's going on, and by the time I look up, I'm like, hey, when did he lose his arm? I don't remember. <laughs> that seems yeah. like a big big thing that I should have remembered. Yeah, yeah, and I don't hate on anyone who has a preference. The only controversy is when people give the other side. Yeah, because you're still, I don't understand the point with, with the hatred, because you're still enjoying the same thing. Yeah. Like literal, exact, you're getting the same story, the same experience. Put yourself in the shoes of the director or the creator of that show or manga. It gets shared with the world. It has to be localized in yeah. their own language, because... Here in America, North America, people don't like reading overall. No. Yeah, a majority of anime fans like the subtitles because they prefer the original, the integrity, blah, 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 the acting, even though they don't speak a lick of Japanese, which I don't understand. But okay, they have their choice, and that's fine. Uh, but yeah, I prefer to work in English dubs because that's my primary language. That's what I speak, and that's what I understand. I, d I don't understand Japanese, so I can't tell a good performance from a, ba from a bad one. Yeah. Get kids need to try to grow up in the 80s with that first cut that we got of akira the one that you read at blockbuster you the horrible localization the one that the dialogue made no sense so by the time akira is actually coming out and you're like what the hell is this is this good is this where did where did this come from? it's awesome because you saw a dude get shredded with a machine gun at the beginning yeah and then you know it's got gore but by the end you're like single-celled organism eating what we were riding motorcycles, man. <laughs> and then, you know, you, cause you can't follow the dialogue. So yeah, you subs and dubs, let's just, you know, stop. <laughs> it, should, it should have ended in like when the DVD came out in 96 or 97, when you could pick the audio track, just pick it. Stop giving the other side grief. If you were the creator, you'd want it out there in as many languages as possible. And that's a compromise you make. Let people make their own choice and don't troll them about it. You know? I do English dubs with the subtitles, with English subtitles. So Genius. you've noticed that difference. You've noticed the, the different phrasing and everything. But that's why I brought up Gantz, because that yeah. one is horribly no – like, and again, it's not a bad movie. Yeah. But it, I have no clue what the hell was going – I wasted two hours of my life because I don't know what the hell is going on. Now, I knew that going into anime, which is why I quit watching anime, because <laughs> it just – I like my things bookended. So that's like I mentioned Akira or like Vampire Hunter D is my favorite. You know, yeah. Fist of the North Star. Beginning, middle, end, lots of gore, lots of killing. That's me. But like some <laughs> shows, I understand Gantz probably has like 80 years of manga. And then you've got 30 or 40 decades of, you know, Japanimation. And then it became anime. We used to call Japanimation. I just dated myself. So I remember that. I remember <laughs> See, somebody else, I told anybody else watching. I told y'all we used to call it Japanimation, and everybody was like, oh, dude, it's stupid. It's called anime. I was born in 69, dude, so I'm a child of the 70s. Nice. And I grew up with things like Speed Racer and all that. So I know all about bad dubs. Robotech. <laughs> 
Robotech, that's where one of the directors I work with, Tony Oliver, he was Rick Hunter in that. He's one of the best directors in the, in Dude, the industry out here. Freaking sweet. Yeah, that was like, I, I didn't even know. It's, I called it the Robotech style because I didn't know that it was Japanese. Or Voltron, but yeah. As a kid, yeah. I called it, that. you know, why did, the way they drew Voltron or the way they drew Robotech. I, there was a noticeable difference, and I, because I was so little, I didn't realize that in Japan. Yeah, me too. Was this, I knew that that style, you know, go Battle of the Planets or Star Blazers, all the stuff that came after Star Wars, and people had to get in yeah. shows that looked like Star Wars, and they brought over those anime. Back in the day, they didn't have the time code burned into the video, so we couldn't do the lip sync as precise. They right. just literally would chase it. They'd watch the vid on a Damn. beta broadcast tape and hope for the best. Um, <laughs> That's the way so we used now, to record our metal demos. No click track. Just get the drummer to go. And then yeah. you got to go and record the guitar, listen to the drummer, and trying to get that right. That's <laughs> a dangerous right. way of playing it, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... Notoriously but, inconsistent. By the, time, <laughs> by the time I got into the industry, though, there was a more concerted effort to actually get actors in there actors who could handle the technical aspect of matching the the lip sync and our little starting gun the little beep 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 act you know on the fourth imaginary and you know we we did do those those early days of dbz on broadcast beta tape so if you blow a take it would take like 30 seconds to back up on a physical tape yep. now it's quick time <laughs> quick time's instant you put a quick time video file we can we can nail so much more in an hour than we could used to your drumming background probably helps you with that then yeah and anyone who can sing anyone who has a sense of rhythm gets it a lot better there are there are very seasoned actors and it's not, it doesn't take anything away from them if they go in and they can't do the lip sync thing it's a very technical skill you either can do it or you can't or you pick it up and eventually improve i was told that i wasn't very good at it at the first and it's like we weren't sure if you were going to make it it's like oh wow well i'm glad you didn't tell me that then yeah. <laughs> it's all self-conscious and stuff but it worked out so here we are there's something other voice actors we've had on are not usually fans of the things they work on. They never usually watch them, or if they work in video games, they don't play the games. It's interesting that you're a gamer. You like Dragon Ball Z. Do you not think only that, that you like Dragon Ball Z before you got cast? Yeah. Too, do, you, right. do you think that helped you? Did you think that helped you out in the process? Um, not necessarily. You think it would on paper, but we're used to the process of thinking on our feet. This is why improv is so important and cold read. The director tells us everything we need to know at the session. We go in blind. We haven't seen any footage. We haven't read a script. There's no rehearsal. We're a blank slate. So whether we've seen the footage before or not, all I really need to know is the context of the scene that I'm recording of. Everything else is extraneous. Other, otherwise, if I'm a fan of the show, yeah, of course, I'm going to absorb all of it. But there's only so much time. So we don't watch the episode during the recording session. We simply record the parts that I'm needed for. You know, it's, it's time management plus time is money. Everyone, the clock is ticking. We got to get all these actors recorded over the course of several weeks to, to get a chunk of TV episodes done. And then the turnaround, especially if it's on a broadcast schedule, a simul dub, or if you've got to go to Cartoon Network, we got to, or Netflix, we got to get a whole like dozen in the can and and sent off and approved. And how fast is that turnaround? You like it? It could be literally just a, a couple of weeks, depending on the show. If it's simul dub with Funimation, a broadcast dub, uh, yeah, it could be a couple of weeks or or even less. And we're looking at footage sometimes when we're recording those quick turnaround things, where some of the shots are just animatics it's not even fully animated yet wow they're sending us the video elements but they're not even completed yet they may be completed 
by the time we're recording, but the the the, the elements they've sent us, we don't have it as a, as a guide. It's like okay, here's a here's basically a comic book panel, and character looks this way with an arrow pointed and this that stuff, and it's he's like I hope this syncs up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa. But yeah, yeah okay. we're we're in a time and a day a time and a period where yay, thankful for the internet, thankful that fans can get the official subtitle version or or feel like, you know, their money is going back to the creators and the studios by going to places like Crunchyroll, Funimation, Viz and, and uh, you know, golly, Netflix now and Amazon and all these different HBO Max now, all these legal things and post of the fans pirating everything and torrenting and wondering how come the show didn't continue well, because they went bankrupt because everyone watched it for free and you don't understand this is a business so money's got to go back in yeah. it's not the same sort of thing piracy is an issue with hollywood of course too but not at the same level because anime is such a niche thing that piracy has felt more like a gut punch like oh my god so a good bit of your work is an anime and it's notorious for having a shit ton of episodes how much how many? How much ground do you make in your average session? You want to try and knock out four or five episodes if you can. If they have the scripts ready, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they only have a couple. Uh, you might get called back in to do a pickup session, it's called. You re-record or pick up a line or two that maybe didn't play off another actor just right, or they decided to rewrite it. Their client says, sounds too quiet. Make it louder. And hopefully they don't have too many mixed notes like that, and uh, we can get it all done in the first one. But, uh, yeah, yeah, depending on what it is, I mean, if it's a one-shot movie or one-shot thing like that, we can usually get it done, you know, each actor can get done in a session. Mm-hmm. You know, anywhere in between a two- and a four-hour block, of t- hopefully. Unless you're a main character, you might have some more hours to do, but they're going to space that out. We tend to not have more than three or four hours yet. So, Ryu versus Gohan. Who wins? Fight. Oh, golly. I think <laughs> Gohan, but just by a smidge. I think the Super Saiyan stuff has a little bit of an edge. Although a Kamehameha and a Hadouken are the same exact move. <laughs> I don't know which one is a little more powerful, but I think the alien lineage probably gives them kind of an unfair. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say the Kamehameha is more powerful, man. It's a constant. It's not just well, one it fireball. Is. So, you know. It is. I could just say it's a draw, and then they just both go out for beers after. I don't know. I'd say we need to settle this with some Street Fighter because y'all ain't seen my Ryu. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is terrible. I button mash. I spam. You if are I... a dangerous opponent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm more dangerous on Marvel versus Capcom. That's more button mash, button mash friendly. The actual Street Fighter requires a little bit of skill. I feel the so, same way. I can watch people play Marvel versus Capcom all day because I'm like, man, this game is beautiful. There's like a million moves and colors going on the screen, and then I try yeah. to play, and it's like, oh. It's like Geometry juggled. Wars. <laughs> it's like Geometry Wars, but you're getting your ass kicked. Yes. <laughs> totally <laughs> Geometry Wars. Exactly. <laughs> I'm too, yeah. yeah. So okay. uh, what's your favorite game? Golly. Well, right now it's uh, it's Black Ops 4. That's the newest. Uh, I love Warzone. Uh, the Avengers is a ton of fun. It didn't make a big splash, which is unfortunate. It's a really solid game. Uh, I don't have Miles Morales yet, but it looks to be just as great as Spider-Man. Uh, that's a really, really fun one. Um, golly. I'm Like growing up, what's your go-to game? What's the favorite game? Dude, like... It's old school Pac-Man, Donkey Kong. I like the shirt. I was just, I was curious because you seem to be a man of culture. Yes. So I was just curious, like, you know, when you say what's your favorite game, 
you know, like the new hell. I don't even know what the what you kids are playing nowadays. <laughs> I did. I didn't even know the new Xbox launched like the same day or right around the same time as the PS Five. It's like yeah. I've just been so out of touch doing other crap. So yeah, I was just curious, like. So you like Pac-Man and Donkey Kong, huh? What about Dude, old Galaga. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. Galaga. That's the game. Pole position. Tempest. Ah, oh, the good old days. I say Galaga is <laughs> probably the greatest game of like when you put it just on you know those hundred greatest game lists or whatever. Yeah. Hey, sure. Honestly, that's just got to be. While it may not be my total tip top favorite, it would be in contention for it. Just, I've got it on the most consoles. I think I have every version of the the, the Midway uh, compilations that always include Galaga and and all that. It's like yeah. I, I played Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr. so much back in the day. I lost so many quarters at the actual physical arcade. I would oh, yeah. every day after school. Woo. Yeah, we had that uh, the food line, up, and they got one at the food line in Georgetown because my mom's family was in Georgetown, so I spent a lot of time there. And they had Donkey Kong. And, oh God, yeah, all the quarters I lost them <laughs> for for whatever because I play it now. It's like. Jesus Christ, this is this is what kept me so busy. Oh wow, you know. But then back then, it's like, oh my God, how can I beat this? Yeah, yeah it's like throw more quarters at it. It'll be fine. I'll yeah, get it. Just, just shut up. I'm gonna beat the sparks. It's a casino <laughs> mentality, man. It gets you, it sucks you in, and possesses you. It's like, oh, go ahead. You don't need to pay bills. <sighs> Give me all your money. You want to get the high score? Yeah, like, hey, asteroids, asteroids deluxe. Uh, yeah. We played for points back then. We didn't play to defeat your opponent. You wanted a high score. Yeah, yeah. Back when you had to put in your three initials. You yeah, can... and, the, and the top ten were always ass because everybody yeah. was real funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ass or, then they learned how to spell dick, just D-I-K. Yeah. <laughs> And we knew that we got your Pac-Man trivia. It would have been uh, translated as Puck-Man, but they went with Pac because Puck would be too easy to yeah. <laughs> change with an F in front of it. That's how so. they might be out of touch or a different culture, maybe even a different continent, but they're not stupid. <laughs> got that down, man. Well, I got to ask you because I'm a jackass. Uh, if you're at home... Do you have kids? I do. She's grown up, though. I have a daughter who's 24. Okay, gotcha. Then, Ryan, well, do you ever just go Super Saiyan around the house? <laughs> <laughs> when I was raising her, absolutely. Single dad, so yeah. There's a lot of rage. She wasn't really impressed. She thought my job was cool, but her friends were way more impressed. Like, oh my god, your dad's on like, Yeah, it's just dad to me. I wouldn't be able to control myself if I was just doing that voice when friends would come over. I'd have a megaphone just screaming, going Super Saiyan out the window or something. Yeah. Like, I don't think my daughter could take me seriously. It's like, quit putting on a voice. Come on. Why are you <laughs> yelling, Dad? It's not that serious. But, yeah. If you have a wide range of voices and you, you read when they're little, you read them, you know, story time, bedtime, and you can make those, those, those books and those chapters a lot more entertaining, I guess, when you have a whole range of voices. Like, oh, Sam, I am. And, you know, fun so you time. said you were a fan of Dragon Ball Z before you got the yeah. job. What are some of your favorite, uh, personal favorite Gohan moments? Uh, I love when he goes in, uh, well, him defeating Cell, but that wasn't me. But that, my character as a kid was an amazing battle. Uh, I love when he's a teenager in the other world tournament and he goes Super Saiyan 2 for the first time. And everyone's like, oh, my God, this this, this is a force to be reckoned with. His fight with Boo is is really, really good until it isn't. 
<laughs> he gets absorbed and then like, ah, oh, make Gohan great again. Come on. He's yeah. gotten the shaft through the years. He's such a great character and he has so many fans and it's like, he didn't, how come Goku gets all the cool transformation? I was waiting on that. On I was certain Gohan was going to have his, you know, show ending or saving moment in Super. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he got to show some more potential than, you know, at least he was in that. He was more involved than he was in the Broly movie. He's not even mentioned. He was yeah. like, where was Gohan during all this? <laughs> I love the Broly movie, but there's no Gohan. They act like he doesn't exist. It's weird. Oh, dude, you were in Wolfenstein? I was in one of them, yeah. I was a shouty, very angry Nazi. <laughs> I feel like we just call those Nazi. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all just these extra redundant. adjectives that we added to it and stuff. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I just keep kind of scrolling down and just every night it just one of them just pops up. It's like, holy crap, Resident Evil 5. Okay. Yeah, I've been, yeah. I've been, been your average zombie in 5, 6, 7, eight, you know, like. Well, I mean, this, so it's got to be a highlight. You were in the Final Fantasy 7. Bit part, yeah. Did yeah. You, there are no bit parts in audio. Did okay. you, <laughs> did you, I'm uh, done in like 15 minutes, though. It was like the quickest session. Yeah, uh, but did you lobby for that? I mean, were you a fan? Did you play? Um, I mean, you played games, so you had to have played the first, the original. Back in the round, back in the day with a PS1, yeah, I did play a little bit back in the day. Uh, no, I don't think I auditioned for it. I think I'd work with the studio enough. They know my range. And that's the cool thing. When you work enough, people just know what you're capable of. They'll just cold cast you. For the bit parts, you still have to audition for the main roles, but um, yeah, getting a call out of the blue and like, yeah, we want you on Final Fantasy VII. Like, I won't say no to that. That was me fainting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If I'm like, oh, he's over there, ah! and I'm dead. You get the fans who will tag you on Twitter going, I heard you, I killed you. And like, oh, awesome, awesome. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you get like a free copy because you did work on it, right? It's funny you think that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh. Dragon Ball, uh, the guys at Bandai and such have been very, very kind. But uh, for the most part, no, don't get the get the games. Dude, really? That's horse's ass, man. It's like... <laughs> I, I'm sorry, that's just like my code of ethic. If somebody were, like, if somebody takes time out of their day yep. to record voice, and I can't even pay them, the least I could do is give them a copy of what they've worked on. You, you think? Know, well, that, I, I do. So, I mean, just, wow. Damn. I mean, there are copies they give out, promotional copies for all the yeah. and all the YouTube vloggers and stuff. It's like, I know they're out there. Mm-hmm. Why not? I mean, there's probably a couple dozen. Oh, depending. There may be up to 50 or so actors tops maybe on an RPG, I would say. Yeah, but so it's like, come on, that's that's negligible. Just a digital copy. Digital is meaningless yes. anyway. They can yes. just sit there, you know, give you, wow. That's yeah, interesting. I got a digital code for Kakarot, and I'm very grateful for that. I haven't played it, though, because for me, the genre of RPG and open world, just walking around trying to find stuff, it just doesn't keep my attention. I like instant gratification. Punch, fight, jump, race, shoot, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just that kind of gamer. So, yeah. Are you, it's the nature of the podcast, so we have to ask everybody, are you a horror fan? Huge horror fan. Oh, my God. Exorcist is my favorite of all time. I realize that it's a hilarious comedy to newer generation of people. (laughs) 
But I grew up in the 70s where it wasn't flash cut and fast editing and all that stuff or ADD generation. Things would take their time. Uh, the Shining is another one of those brilliant ones where the shots linger. And I mean, it, back in the day, they used to be horror movies with an atmosphere and they were scary. Now it's just jump scares, which... Yeah. So I tend to go more for psychological ones nowadays. So Ari Aster's great. Hereditary, Midsummer. Phenomenal movies. Uh, yeah. And they're artsy-fartsy, but I love them. The Lighthouse, it's got horror elements, but, you know, that director. The Witch, uh, fantastic. And, yeah, they're artsy-fartsy, but... I think they work. They they work so much better, and they penetrate you in, in a creepy way, not a jump scare way. That's more fun. But yeah, sometimes I'll I'll phone it in, and I'll just say, all right, I just want some B movie, Evil Dead, over the top. You know, silly now you're speaking our language. Yeah, <laughs> Ash is like the best horror hero ever. Bruce King. Agreed. Agreed. I'd say uh, Evil Dead may be the most untainted horror franchise when you look at. Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, they all have their stinkers. Halloween. Halloween, yeah. Hellraiser. Evil Dead from the first movie to the series, Army of Darkness. Yeah. The remake, it's all solid. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought for sure they were going to screw up the serious remake, but it was amazing. It was great. I wanted them to do it. Sam Raimi had a hand in all of it. I think that's yeah. why it was so well done, because he wasn't going to let somebody just shit all over his, his creation like that. Yeah, yeah. And the one that meant more to me and I saw first was actually the Evil Dead 2. Me and my best friends in 1987 went to a theater. We were the only ones there. And we went to see it because at the time, Roger Ebert from RogerEbert.com, he was like one of those big movie critic guys, and he talked about, this is hilarious, this is amazing. And we went, and we fell in love. It's like, oh, my God, this is this huge sleeper. And we got on video, we ran that tape out. You know, we were watching it <laughs> too with everyone, and everyone's just cracking up. It's like, oh, this is brilliant. Army of Darkness, oh, my God, so amazing. <laughs> yup. Yeah. Yeah, we have to ask. Just being the horror, it's funny that we haven't even gotten around to asking about the horror stuff yet, dude. That's yeah. I w it was going to come up. Need to know your favorite game, your favorite hobby. So, if you're watching your favorite horror movie, I have to ask, what's your go-to snack? What's your go-to movie? Golly, uh, sometimes just uh, chips like cheese puffs or um, a York peppermint patty. Mm. Underrated candy bar, right there. You have Junior Mints. I love both the, the mint things. They don't get enough love. My favorite kind of candy bar that I never find anymore is Fast Break. Wow, peanut, that's peanut a blast from cups. the past. Yeah, peanut butter cups are great, but I love Fast Break. Yeah. <laughs> wow, <laughs> damn. Peanut butter eggs. Peanut butter eggs that come out around Easter time. Recently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they taste different than the regular peanut butter cups, and it's better, and it's better than the Valentine's Day peanut butter cups. Mm -hmm. It's weird. The Christmas ones, they don't hold a candle to the Easter ones. Don't know what it is. See, I catch a lot of flack because I actually like candy corn, but I prefer... I do love candy corn. Yeah. Me too. Oh, see, I didn't even know. I always <laughs> catch the flack. I prefer the, the pumpkins. Thing. The pumpkins taste different. Yeah, they do. Uh, yeah, candy corn. I don't, I, I don't see how someone could not like Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's good... We got a vibe going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome thing. to their opinion, even though they're wrong. <laughs> right yeah you're correct that mm -hmm. mean have you got anything else going on like coming up anything to get excited about anything else going on not really on my side of the planet just uh catch up on the rest of the new animaniacs reboot i watched the first episode of that last night and it's just oh, i didn't know it was out yeah it just dropped and I'm the mandalorian every episode of the mandalorian man i think has knocked it out of the park i'm all about that show 
I haven't even watched it yet. Oh, dude. One thing about it is I'll get attached to a show and yeah. I will binge it almost to an unhealthy degree. So I can wait. And just the longer I wait, the more I'm going to have for the binge. So it'll be Here's okay. what you do. If there's a free demo for Disney Plus, I guess, just wait till the second season is over. Get the demo. That's what I'm waiting for. And then quit. And then, when uh, you know, if it comes, and it will come back. It's already been renewed. But, yeah. So you got to do it. That's just incredible. I mean, it's so cinematic. John Favreau, Dave Filoni, they have rebooted this thing and this feels the most star wars this blows away i've heard i've you. heard that everyone say that basically but yeah i've heard and see like i i honestly don't care as polarizing as any of the new ones are but like the extended trilogy that they've done I, whatever i hated it like i was you know halfway into whatever seven was it's like yeah the same for me However, Rogue One, I freaking love that. Rogue like, One was phenomenal. It was like Black yep. Minoc Down. It was a mix between like a Ridley Scott, you know, Black Hawk Down with yeah. Star Wars. I just, I fell in love with that. And then Solo, I was laughing like all throughout I, that movie. Was I brilliant. fell asleep during solo i'm not gonna lie i fell asleep i woke up and i was like is that darth maul <laughs> right back. i thought it was brilliant but i then, loved it i loved I, it and especially knowing that that movie was pieced together by ron howard originally it was the lego movie guys and then they got right. fired because they were taking not taking it seriously enough i guess kathleen kennedy said and so they brought ron and howard ron howard and he crafted it into something very watchable a lot of fun and all that yeah i think rogue one's better especially god the last five minutes hold me that's one of the best all-time star wars moments is that whole ending scene yeah but certainly uh, dang i didn't know it was the lego movie guys that's a bummer because that movie was fun. Yeah, it was disjointed and certainly of this new generation, but it was still yep. fun. It was fun, yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. And I got to watch the Lego Star Wars thing. That's on Disney Plus too, but I don't know. The, Le the Lego Star Wars holiday special. I don't know. It's oh, got to be better right. than the actual holiday special. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm I'm, so good. I'm a sucker Christmas, and especially those dinky, those fun little kids. I'll sure. watch them. I don't yeah. care. It just yeah, yeah, gives yeah. me inspiration. <laughs> Absolutely. You gotta stay young at heart, no matter how old you get. All right, so I have to ask. I'm gonna do it. I do audio drama. If you're ever sitting around with nothing to do, can I ever give you a <laughs> ring? Say, yeah. I mean, I don't. I can't afford like fifty thousand dollars an hour or nothing like that. But you nope. know, you could be. It would be totally discreet. I wouldn't <laughs> even tell people that you were in it. Like I, we could use a we could use a different name or something. And like Carl a cat. It, we'll call you that or something <laughs> and you know we'll just put you there but yeah if you're ever if you ever do you feel like serious you know, ones or comedy or what, what no we? mine are generally more serious horror actually is Good. What I specialize in but i've got one i'm working on and i'm actually casting my bread upon the waters sort of a, a serious futuristic type mill sim type thing so i'm actually some more actors but yeah it's it's horror sci-fi beautiful that that kind of no this is and if let's pretend you are a tight cast yeah. then i will probably go to great lengths to put you in a different role just to see what i can get out of you so just that's you already cool. said yes yeah, so i mean that's yeah. fine i'll you'll hear from me <laughs> that's, that's rugged yeah we have it recorded you can't deny it yeah that's right i have proof <laughs>
It's like, so you're like, I, I guess Joss Whedon has a lot of bad press now, but earlier when he was doing Buffy, he says, I love casting comedians in dramatic roles. And I said, I've always respected him for that. It's like, let people show you what their whole wheelhouse is. Don't pigeon them into thinking, well, he's a funny guy, so all he can do is funny. Like, nah, come on. Robin Williams did serious. Jim Carrey did serious. Right. That's good. I mean, to use look it. at Bob Saget, look at his comedy, then look yeah. at Danny Tanner. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for Schwarzenegger. Look at Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, he can be funny. He can also be Conan. So, I mean. <laughs> or the Terminator. <laughs> what would you do if you had your choice? Like, you've got, a, uh, as I've already said, a CVS pharmacy receipt of credits and stuff. So, you're done. Let's say you're, let's pretend you're Chris Evans, you're Captain America. You're done. You've got more money than God. You don't have to do anything ever. What kind of role would you want to do? I want something in the Star Wars universe or just just get to play in, in the Warner Brothers house, DC, or, or Marvel, for that matter. I've done a little bit of the superhero thing, not a lot, but uh, that's definitely something I could be all about. I, I love the superhero genre, especially things like The Boys and things that venture off the, the beaten path right. of, cliche it's like yeah. oh they're reinventing this great i keep hoping they would re-release because i was again carbon dating myself but i remember i was in that you know the angsty 13 14 years old when mcfarlane I, we were following his artwork with spider-man yeah. and then mcfarlane broke off with spine yep and like i mean he just basically just dropped the big old chunk of rip rap in the pond with that and then the ripple effect that we got jim lee is like my favorite comic artist of all time. Yeah. And with Wildcat, for whatever reason, Wildcat is just a perfect mix of that Lovecraftian other God mythos mixed with the cybernetic stuff that just, you blend it all together. Yeah. That hyper stylized artwork of it. Anyway. Yeah. They did that oh, cartoon in the nineties and I was just, I'm still hoping that they'll give us like a live action reboot of the Wildcats. Just, yeah. The way they could do that now, man, I feel like that show, it would probably earn all of five bucks. But damn, it would look cool. <laughs> well, McFarlane wants to reboot Spawn. You know, the animated series was so much better than the live action movie. Yeah, and it, that right. sucks because Michael J. White is yeah. so good. Like, yeah. he's a bad, like Billy Badass incarnate. It's a shame that that movie didn't do as well as it could. And I'm not going to lie, it's not a great movie, but I enjoy fuck out of Spawn. Oh, yeah. From, <laughs> from, 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 <laughs> so fun. Yeah, you can have fun with a movie that otherwise is like, oh, whoo. Yeah. You're right. Though. That animated series was very was stylish. Yeah, golly, uh, David Keith in uh, yeah. Spawn. Dang, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah, one of the only people left at the end of the thing. One of my all-time favorites. Also, uh, I've got a copy of it sitting right here on my desk. Yeah. Oh, Keith David. I was very confused. Yeah. Oh, wondering. Keith David. Okay. There's Keith David, and then there's David Keith. David, David Keith is that he's also he's one of those that guys like gotcha. er, as we call it that guy that was in because you see him and you don't know his name. It's like oh that's that guy that was in and you could rattle off generally some bottom shelf or so, not in an insult but some straight to video or direct to TV type film. Be like oh that's that guy that was in. So yeah, yeah. that's David Keith and the Keith David the dude <laughs> that was in the thing. Gotcha. I was confused for. <laughs> yeah, he's a great voice voice talent. Not everyone from the on air world, on camera world, translates into uh, that. But uh, you know, he's on gargoyles. He's done yeah. tons of VO, tons of cartoons. That 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 signature voice. Man. We got to get him. He played himself in uh, 
he played himself in the fourth Saints Row game. You're having a, a dream, and they recreate the fight scene from They Live with him and Roddy Piper, and they both oh, reprise their roles brilliant. as each other. It was brilliant. I, I got to play that it. To my wife, she hadn't seen They Live. Yet. I remember playing it, going, "Do I hear like bagpipe music? What the fuck is going on?" And then <laughs> into the scene of Roddy Piper, Put my on. Like, in, Put in on. Full, <laughs> full uniform, fighting Keith David. It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, God, yeah, we could go off on so many tangents. But yeah, back to to answer your question, though. Anything in Star Wars or the next big SpongeBob, meaning the next big, huge pop culture animated sensation that's not created yet. So I can say I am the voice of that, as opposed to saying I'm the English voice of that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, uh, I love what I do, and I will love doing anime and video games till I die, but I want some more cartoon opportunities. I, I can imagine those are probably a lot more fun than... Not that the anime ones aren't fun, but, you know, a lot of those characters are much more serious, whereas cartoons are, for the most part, for kids, so they're goofier. They're more... Over the top. Yeah, over the top, and you can probably have more fun with your role than that, I would imagine. The uh, A lot of the audition sides for cartoons nowadays, sent, they tend to be more grounded. They call them cinematic even though they're still a little exaggerated, they're not as, oh my gosh, oh, blah, blah. you know, it's like, no, we're going to, this is a cartoon, but you're going to sound like a regular guy. It's like, oh, okay. I want to do a cartoony cartoon. Yeah, where's the yeah. fun in that? I want to have some fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to get on Looney Tunes, the, that reboot, anything, you know, it's just, ah, these are my heroes. These are things that I grew right. up watching and to be on something you grew up watching. Can you imagine? Who's your favorite Looney Tunes character? Bugs. Bugs. What's up, Doc? Yeah. Eric Bauza does a killer, killer job on that. Oh, my yeah. God. It's incredible. Yeah, he does. Well, if no one else has anything else for Kyle, I think we're going to cut him loose soon. We've been holding him hostage. Uh, no, just remember it's that the first thank you. First yes, of all, absolutely. This, but yeah, absolutely. just remember my face and remember Justin because one of these days I'm going to be reaching out through him. <laughs> <laughs> Before Daniel, you can I say I don't I mean this as an insult. This is this is cool. You look like Triple H. Daniel, <laughs> I love. Have I told you how much I love you? Like, oh, are you a wrestling man, fan, Kyle? Where I come from, that is a proposal for me. That is my favorite wrestler. Like growing up, I was a Hogan kid, yeah. and then The Undertaker come out in Survivor Series '91, and just like, whoa, you know. And then of course Bret Hart. But when the gentleman comes out, and yeah. then eventually in Degeneration X. I was a Triple H mark since the day he landed, and I have been a Triple H fan forever since. I have his poster. I'm a 40-year-old man. God, I'm pitiful. But I got his poster on my wall. I've got his DVD collection. For God's sake, yeah. Rock and roll, then. I love you. I'm come here. I'm a giggle. Oh, damn! Whatever you want, hey, whatever this man wants, give it to him. All right, Justin. This is now the Kyle A. Bear show. Yep. Thank you very much, <laughs> Kyle and A. Bear and Daniel. This is the KHD podcast that we are coming to you now, and we'll forevermore be that. So yeah, <laughs> Kyle, do not leave. Do not leave yet. Uh, <laughs> Probably got hearts can... floating off of my head. <laughs> Justin was like, that sounds like an outro. Hold on. Do not leave. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's right. (laughs) The voice clips. Kyle, you can tell me to go to hell right now. But usually when we have a a voice guy come on, we have him do a little something to put on at the beginning of the show. 
I'm going to go ahead and warn you. I wrote this. I was a little inebriated, perhaps. So I don't know how I don't know how accurate this is. So feel I got free the rough to, draft of it. So let's see. Thank you. That's yeah. That's that's all we need. God, my Ooh. mic was muted. Yeah, we were all muted screaming. God, badass. <laughs> I'm gonna go jump off the roof now. Yeah, we grown-ass men feel like little kids again. Thank you. And seriously, <laughs> you, you, you flatter me, you wine and dine me. Like, seriously, dude, thank God it's just telecommuting. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that's the coolest superpower of this. Some people want to teleport. Some people want to fly. I just want to turn people into little puddles. <laughs> just do a voice. <laughs> will get it you works. Everywhere. Yes, flattery does get you everywhere. <laughs> dude, thank you so much. <laughs> yes, thank you. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was yeah, good yeah. discussion. Good. I, I love talking pop culture and stuff. So. Yeah. You got anything and, uh, coming up? Hit us up. Let us know. Want to chat about? Just got something. Sure. Yeah, don't you have a podcast? You have a podcast, right? Oh no, that was years ago. Oh okay, okay. I don't have a podcast now, but I do. I do Twitch stream three times a week. What so. is it? If you want to send them to Gohan with your own bad self. Hey, that- I've already followed. Awesome. Yeah, Sunday, Tuesday, and uh, Thursday nights, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. But yeah, if you just want to do the 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 Twitch handle, that would be awesome. We'll be Y'all watching. Follow him, y'all. All right, man. You have a good night. It's been great. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, guys. Have a great weekend and stay safe. All right, Thank you, too, man. man. You too. All right. Madness and magic.